0: Now, here's Mother Miriam.
1: Good morning, dear beloved family. How are you doing? I am doing much better if you've been with us toward the end of last week. You know we had to run, do reruns of the program because I had a really strong virus. <clears throat> I know I still sound like I have it a little bit, but it's really on its way out and I'm doing great. So God bless you. I've missed you. I've missed being with you. I bless God for LifeSite News and uh, Station of the Cross um, for being able to do encores and kind of um, help us out Uh when we can't be on live, but we are now, and we intend to be um for the next thousand years, how's that? I've asked God at least to let me live to five hundred years. I told my eye, I doctored that once. I said you got to keep these eyes going. I'm going to live to five hundred. She said five hundred. Who? Why? I said because I want to live to five hundred. She said who? Who's going to be around for you to talk to? And I said everybody who doesn't know Jesus. That's it. That's my reason for existing. I have no other. Just to tell the story of the God who loved us and became one of us for us, who died on the cross for us, who rose again from the dead for us and sits at the right hand of the Father now for us. And it's um, its a story that I know I'm not going to wake up one day and find that it's a fairy tale because it's not just an intellectual journey here. I'm I'm a changed being, and I know that. And I'm I'm so thrilled, but I'll never never be able to figure out why. Why me? Why me? Why me? Why do I love? Why do we love? Why do we believe? People say, "Well, why don't the the Jews believe? Why don't these people believe? Why don't the Protestants understand the Catholic Church? Why? 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 Why?" I don't have those questions I know about those things because I lived through them but why I believe why we believe why we are less blind than they is only the grace of God and um we love we know this because he first loved us that's it that's it and I uh, it's it's God's doing not ours and I I I'm never going to get over it. I don't want to get over it. I'm thrilled. I'm grateful. Every day God allows me to live. Um, and so and so there we are. We have been going through um, the Catechism. Um, the Catechism Explained uh, by Spirago Clark. It's a practical manual for use of the preacher, the catechist, the teacher and the family. It's in card cover, which is I know pretty expensive and I don't know the price, but um, it's also in soft cover. And so um, that's what we're looking at. And we're going through it little by little by little. It's um, it's the Baltimore Catechism magnified 10 times with explanations and oh, what I love, every family to go through this. It's not for scholars, it's for us. It's for us, for the family. And it would be so fabulous, Papa, Mama, whoever is the head of the family individuals to take this and find a little cozy prayer spot and and give it 15 minutes a day 10 minutes a day and read through this it's tremendous when we started and I won't go back reading it of course but I'll just go from the just the points that we covered in the very introduction the first uh, se- section is for what end are we on this earth? And it says, number one, we are upon this earth in order that we may glorify God and so win for ourselves eternal happiness. And again, these are the points. Um, it, it's a wonderful thing because they have all the actual points and teachings in bold. And then under that, um Is the full explanation. So no one needs to be a teacher or a scholar or knowledgeable. It has it all right here. Section two. How are we to attain eternal happiness? Point one. And again, we've covered all this and the explanations. Um, And if you've missed it, dear ones, you could go back into the archives of the station of the cross dot com uh, you can go to Live site news mother Miriam live youtube facebook all over the place, so uh, you can always listen to past programs but how are to we atta- how are we to attain to eternal happiness first of all, we shall attain to eternal happiness um, by striving to know God by means of faith in the truths he has revealed to us. We need to know that, beloved. I I think of Mark Twain's um, somewhat famous statement, who says, ain't the things I uh, don't know that trouble me, it's the things that I do, you see? Um, And and really, it's what happened with the Jewish people a lot in the Old Testament. They couldn't uh, live up to what God gave them. And instead of begging for mercy and uh, forgiveness... They invented what they could live up to, you know, and we do that. We do that. Well, that's too hard. Let me do something else. Um, but you see, what God has given us is um, is not up for negotiation and nothing else can be substituted. So first, we must strive to know God by means of faith in the truths he has revealed to us. Second, we must fulfill the will of God by keeping his Commandments, and again, I mentioned when we went through this initially because I think it's such a, a major point. As an evangelical Protestant myself, uh, for eighteen years trying to save Catholics, ha, now I'm now I'm one. Blessed be God. We were taught we cannot keep the commandments because we're fallen and sinful. Jesus kept them for us. And God accepts us in His Son. Well, indeed, God accepts us in His Son. Not because we don't have to keep the commandments. Jesus kept the commandments and He fulfilled the law. Um, we don't keep the Old Testament law that God gave to the Jewish people alone of, uh, uh, what to eat, what not to eat, the Sabbath, uh, uh, the clothing, the customs, we don't keep that, but we keep the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments, which is the law of God written on my heart, on our hearts. And so it's not that Jesus kept it so that we don't have to, or that we can't. Indeed, he kept it and sent the Holy Spirit, he and the Father poured the Holy Spirit into our hearts at baptism so that we can keep them, and we are accountable for that. Yes. Point three, we must therefore avail ourselves of the means of grace of which the chief means are Holy Mass, the sacraments, and prayer. Now, we won't go through that now because we're really repeating. So, section three is titled, Can We Attain Perfect Happiness on Earth? Now, there's a question. Can we attain perfect happiness on earth? What would you say? Before I read the answer, what would you say? Uh, I think you probably said no I would say no let's see what this says why? because our hearts St. Augustine said are made for heaven and they are made for thee O Lord and they are restless until they find themselves in thee now we can find ourselves in him but we're not perfect yet and we're not home yet so this answer here is earthly goods such as riches honor pleasure cannot by themselves make us happy for they cannot satisfy our soul they they often only make life bitter and invariably forsake us in death see that's and i, I there's hardly a person i think listening who wouldn't understand and agree with that and have experienced that second point here is only the gospel of christ is capable of giving us a partial happiness on earth for he who follows the teaching of christ is certain to have peace in his soul there it is there it is we have a partial happiness on earth it's the peace that christ gives the peace that the world cannot give point 3 he who follows christ will have to endure persecution but these persecutions can do him no harm and that is coming more becoming more evident today than ever before with all that's going on in the world and in fact in the church it's it's tragic on both ends but we under, we we see persecution all around us left and right and I I don't know that we personally are going to escape it, dear ones. But these persecutions can do no harm. They cannot, nobody, nothing. I, I You know, I think this is such an important point. Um, if we ever went for tattoos, which is not what pleases God, by the way. Um, but if we ever did that, uh, I, that would be a good one. Nothing can touch us. Nothing touches us except, can we be harmed? Yes. Can we be harmed in every way? Yes. But does anything touch us? Anything, including the devil himself, that God has not allowed? The answer is no. Nothing comes to me, to you, to us, that God does not allow. Nothing, including the devil himself. Temptation, everything. God allows it. Why does he allow it? To raise us up to make us pure, to make us trust him, rely on him, do away with our sin, and grow in holiness and become saints. It's all for that reason. It's all for that reason. The Apostle Paul said that the Lord had sent him a message of Satan to buffet him. It was Satan who gave the Paul those trials, but God sent um, Satan to Paul. It was God who sent our Lord Um, The Holy Spirit sent our Lord into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. God has his purpose in us, and there is no trial that is not from God, whether he originates it, whether he allows it, whatever it is, doesn't matter. It comes through God to us. And therefore, if it reaches us, it is for our growth. It's for our holiness. All persecution is. When the early church, all Jewish, settled by themselves and kind of had a close-knit community. They didn't want to be persecuted by the Jews who didn't believe and uh, whatever trials were going around them. And God sent persecution on them. In the book of Acts, he sent persecution. Peter was the first, I mean, Stephen was the first martyr. His feast day is the day after Christmas, the fruit of our Lord becoming incarnate to save us. Peter i keep saying peter stephen the deacon stephen was the first martyr because we will suffer persecution why did god they were doing real well by themselves living very nicely why did god send persecution on them did they deserve it well they did because they were not spreading the gospel and god sent persecution to spread them all over asia minor that the gospel may be heard. And if we live quiet little Catholic lives today, and or at least protected Catholic lives, and we don't spread the gospel, that's what's going to happen to us. And it's happening anyway. But why does this say that these persecutions can do him no harm? Because our faith is in Christ, and we trust God, and they can take our lives. I know that's not a pleasant thought, but they cannot take our faith. They cannot touch our soul. Nobody touch our soul. Nobody. No one can do us eternal harm. We are the only ones that can do that to ourselves. And the final point, four, is hence perfect happiness is impossible on earth for no man can entirely avoid suffering. So you see, even though we love God, we can love him through trials, we can love him through suffering. In fact, that's really a consolation to us because when we love him through suffering, it's an affirmation of our faith. We know we love him. When Abraham said yes to God to sacrifice his son, Isaac, and he put Isaac, his only son, the son of promise, the son through whom the Messiah would come, and he put him on the wood, and Isaac said, uh, Yitzchak, in Hebrew, Isaac said to his dad, he was probably 14, 15 years old, uh, Papa, we have the wood, we have the fire, we have everything, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham knew that Isaac himself would be the sacrifice. But all Abraham said was, God will provide. God will provide. And he put his son on that pile of wood, tied him up, and he had the the, the big knife to kill his son over his head when he heard, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, I don't want you to kill your son. And But Abraham already had done it in his will, in his mind. And so the trial took effect. And um, the scriptures tell us that that was a prefiguring of the father killing his own son. But there was no ram caught in the fence, in the thicket for the son of God. But there was a ram caught in the thicket for Isaac and so the ram was killed in the place of Isaac. You see, but that trial, God knew Abraham's faith, but Abraham needed his faith strengthened. Abraham needed to come to the point of putting God first, even at the expense of killing the son of his love, the son of God's promise, his only son Isaac. Even if it meant that, Abraham put God first. And that's what God wanted through that trial. You see, and I I believe that after that trial, Abraham could love Isaac. He loved him with his whole life before. But now Abraham's love for Isaac would even be a greater, deeper, more pure love. Because when God is first, we love people, yes, through our emotions, but with God's love not with possessive love, not with selfish love, not with distorted love. It's a beautiful thing. And so uh, that's what we went through, part one of faith. Um, Part one, section one is the knowledge of God. Part one, section two, which we're on now, um, is uh, divine revelation. And the first point on that is that God has in his mercy in the course of ages, often revealed himself to men. Um, We've gotten through one page of this so far, but it's been over a week, so let me just reread that page, and um, when the break comes, we'll stop and we'll continue tomorrow, and we'll take your calls and your texts and your emails. So on this section of Divine Revelation, it says... If anyone stands in a room behind a gauze curtain, he perceives all those who are passing in the street, and they see him not. But if he makes himself known by speaking, the passers-by are able to recognize him. Such is our relation to God. He sees us, but conceals himself from our eyes. Yet he has in many ways made himself known to men, to Abraham, to Moses in the burning bush, to the Israelites on Mount Sinai, etc. So the first point of divine revelation is this. God, and it's actually a quote from Hebrews chapter 1, God has in his mercy in the course of ages often revealed himself to men. It's God who has revealed himself to men. God, it, the explanation now says, God has often communicated to men a knowledge of his perfections, his decrees, his holy will, and such revelation is called supernatural. See, what we can see, the creation, the uh, creation of the world um, the, glo- the the heavens re- reveal the glory of God. The scriptures say, say the knowledge of God that we're born with in our own hearts. That's all natural revelation. We can we we don't need special faith to know that God exists just by those things. But we need special revelation to know the existence of of the Lord Jesus Christ and of um, of His scriptures and so forth. And that is what God makes known to us. So this says, such revelation is called supernatural as opposed to the natural revelation of God that he himself makes through the external world. The second point is, God's revelation to man is generally made in the following way. He speaks to individuals and orders them to communicate To their fellow men, the revelation made to them. I'm so tempted to stop with each of these points and just talk to us about it. But I better not, because that's why we're reading this book. It has the explanation. So um, I'm going to control myself and hold back. Okay, so this point was that God's revelation to man is generally made in the following way. He speaks to individuals. God speaks to individuals and orders them to communicate to their fellow men the revelation made to them. Hold on just a moment here. I just want to see where we're at. One second, got to do something here and I will be right with you. All this technology that I need to check. Okay, one more second. My apology. Okay, we're terrific. Okay, very good. Okay, so here's the teaching on that. Thus God spoke to Abraham, Noah, and Moses. He sent Noah to preach to sinful men before the flood. He sent Moses to the Israelites when they were oppressed by Pharaoh. Sometimes God spoke to a number of men who were assembled together as when he gave the law to the people on Mount Sinai. Or when our Lord was baptized by St. John and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, a voice being heard from the heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. How was that? Did I sound like God? I don't think so. (laughs) This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I can't imagine what it would have sounded like to the people at that Jordan. Sometimes God revealed Himself um, through angels, as for instance to Tobias through the archangel Raphael. When God spoke to men, He took the visible form of a man or of an angel. Or He spoke from a cloud, as on Mount Sinai. Or from a burning bush, as He did to Moses. Or amid a bright light from heaven, as to St. Paul. Or in the whispering of the wind, as he did to Elias, or by some interior illumination. Um, those to whom God revealed himself and who had to appear wi- and, and who had to bear witness before others to the divine message were called messengers from God and often received from him the power of working miracles and of prophecy in proof of their divine mission. So all those miracles were proof of their mission, were proof of their message, of the prophecy they uttered. Um, And it it shows that we can cross-reference the miracles of Moses before Pharaoh, of Elias, uh, the apostles, and so forth. Third point. Those who were specially entrusted with the communication to men of the divine revelation were the following, the patriarchs, the prophets, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his apostles. Those four, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the prophets, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his apostles. They were specially entrusted with the communication to men of the divine revelation. And it goes on to explain that revelation is to mankind in general what education is to individual men. Revelation corresponds to the needs of the successive stages of human development to the infancy, childhood, and youth of mankind The patriarchs, who had more of the nature of children, needed less in the way of precepts, and God dealt with them in more familiar fashion. The people of Israel, in whom, as in the sense of youth, self-will and sensuality were strong, had to be trained by strict laws and constant correction. Oh, I love this. I've never read it before. I'm reading this together with you. I love this when mankind had arrived at the period of manhood, then God sent his son and introduced the law of love. Oh, I just, this is so fantastic. I'm so tempted. Let me just say, you know, when you have little babies, children, young children, you, you've got to give them, you have to lay down the law. Don't touch that. Don't cross the street. Don't do this. Don't do that. You need to be strict rules with them for the sake of their, their lives so they don't kill themselves. But when they mature, you don't need to do that because they begin to understand love and they begin to understand the principles now behind those rules that it was for their benefit. This goes on to say, of all those who declared to men the divine revelation, the Son of God was preeminently the true witness. He says of himself, quote, For this I was born... And for this I came into the world that I should bear testimony to the truth. He was of all witnesses the best because he alone had seen God. The apostles also had to declare to men the divine revelation. They had to bear witness of what they had seen and above all of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. With the revelation given through Christ and his apostles The revelation that was given for the instruction of all mankind was concluded. The revelation to the apostles, beloved, was the last of revelation on earth. There is no truth given to us past the deposit of faith given to the apostles. We'll be right back after this break, beloved. Call in or text or email with anything on your heart.
0: This is Father Yatsuk Mazer. Please join me in a prayer to St. John Leonardi, comforted with the holy mysteries of your precious body and blood. We beseech you, O Lord, that by the example of St. John, your confessor, we may be zealous to confess what he believed and to put into practice what he taught. You who live and reign with God the Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
3: The Station of the Cross offers online tutorials to help you get the most out of your iCatholic radio app. You'll be introduced to our latest features and the opportunities available for not only listening to our live stream, but also to a variety of podcasts of our shows, prayers, and special presentations. For these tutorials and more, click on the iCatholic radio link located on the station's page of our website, thestationofthecross.com.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. Dear ones, we have a whole half hour all to ourselves, and you are free to call in, or at least feel free to call in, with anything on your heart, toll free, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. 877 Text at that number as well, if you wish and email at mother at com. We have a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. Could you please explain? Now, please understand, dear ones, because we had reruns for three days last week. Um, I know many of your emails uh, and texts are, are, are up here quite a while, so I apologize for that. We'll get to them as quickly as we can. This one asks this individual, could you please explain why we have the privacy of confession, but during final judgment, everyone will know what we have done? I know that's quite a thought. Why during confession we get to keep it between us and God, if it will or will all be told? Why is it between us and God in confession? And no one knows if it's all going to be told. We are told that once we make a good confession, God forgets our sins. Once he forgives us, so we should trust that he has forgiven us. Um, that's right. But he will remember them all. But he will remember them all again for final judgment. She says, "I believe." Or he says, "I believe in confession. I just don't understand this. Maybe it's not for me to understand. I hope my question makes sense. Thank you very much, Mother. It makes tremendous sense. I've not even thought of it that way. I've never had this question before. It's a perfect question." Um, we, I think, we can all understand why God has given us through the Church private confession that nobody would simply between us and the priest. And again, if a priest ever—it's the seal of the confessional—if the priest ever reveals our confession, regardless of the law of the land, even through persecution, if the if states decree that priests must tell the confessions of of um, of the people. Uh, If they do that, rather than give their lives, they lose their priesthood. They will no longer be a priest. It's very, very, very serious. We need to know God has protected us. He wants us to come to him. And it must be private. It must be between, when we go to the priest, it's between us and God. We need to have that confidence. And it's between us and God through the instrument of the priest But it's God alone who forgives sins. He forgives them through the priest. I've mentioned before the priest that helped me into the church said that the priest does his most important work when he's not himself. Because when he says, I absolve you, it's not the priest saying it. It's the high priest, Christ, who says that through the instrument of the human earthly priest. And so when you hear the priest say, I absolve you, that is, God's forgiving you through that priest, as if the priest didn't even exist at that moment. And when you speak to the priest, speak to God. You're speaking to God, you're speaking to the priest, but you're speaking to God through him. So God wants us to be uh, have the freedom to know that it's very private between us and the priest. That That stops a lot of problems. It certainly stops scandal and tempting others and and others who don't have the maturity, understanding what to do with our sins and all of that. But it also primarily um, enables us to go to confession, to come to God. And and we don't need to be shamed before the world, and we don't want to keep it a secret because the whole world's going to know. We have the freedom to speak to God who alone forgives our sins and who alone died for our sins, a merciful Lord. So that we understand. And at the particular judgment, we will be judged individually, again privately, for the works we have done for God, and what is going to burn up is wood, hay, and stubble, those works, not for our sins that are forgiven, but the works that uh, don't count for eternity. At the final judgment, you're right. All of our sins, everything we have done, is going to be put before the entire world. Everything. Everyone has done. It's not that we shouldn't trust. We are forgiven. Whatever's put before the whole world are forgiven sins of those who are in heaven and unforgiven sins of those who are in hell. Um, What we've done is put before the whole world. And I think I don't fully understand this myself. I don't know if I've read much on it. And it seems to me that maybe no one fully understands what will occur at the last judgment. But we do know that our sins will be exposed before the whole world. Not to shame us, but to show that, and again, they're already forgiven or not, that doesn't uh, change. But the primary reason is to show the righteousness and the justice of God. That's what it is, to show that God is right that he's holy, and that, um, that he alone knows the heart of men, um, and that all his judgments are right, and to give praise. And at that point, um, we will be more concerned with praising God uh, for his goodness. If we're in heaven, we'll know more than ever we don't deserve it. If we're in hell, um, we will probably... Uh, despise heaven more than ever. So um, that's that's I think the best I can do right now. Um, go to catholic.com dot com and uh, type in in their question box or EWTN the last judgment and ask your question. You might get other perspectives there, but but that last judgment where everything will be exposed, including every word we've spoken, will will um, uh, will. Be for the glory of God um, that 's what it 'll be, um, and when I read in the scriptures that every word i 've spoken will be exposed, I cringe, I could die a million times of the things that I can remember or the things that i can 't remember that i 've said or things that i 've done or failed to do it if it 's a deterrent to our sinning on earth that's a good anything that 's a deterrent is a good thing, but it will show the justice. Uh, the righteousness of God. We have a a question that came through Facebook from Holly. She says, hello, Mother Mary, we have two questions about Matthew 125. Um, Why is the word until in this sentence? So that would be, let me look it up. I'm sorry, I don't, let me look up Matthew 25. I think that's the one that um, said that... uh, um, she had no children until she gave birth to Jesus. Something like that. Until Joseph kept her a virgin until she gave birth to Jesus. So the word until is in there. He knew her not. Joseph knew her not until she gave birth. So let me answer that as soon as we come back for the break, beloved. And feel free again to call it or text toll free 1 877 5483 or email at uh, mother at the station of the cross.com.
3: If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community, connect with us through social media, and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity.
2: Thank you for helping to save the culture.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. We have our last segment about 15 minutes together, and there's still time for you to call in if you wish. One eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. I'm going to go back to Holly's question, which is a good one. Holly says, "I have two questions about Matthew one twenty five, and Matthew one twenty five says." Um, Joseph knew Mary not until she had born a son, and he called his name Jesus. So he knew Mary not. They had they didn't have relations, intimate relations, until Mary had born a son. And she says, um, Holly asks, why is the word "until" used in this sentence? This particular word implies Saint Joseph and the Blessed Virgin had marital relations after the birth of Jesus, and further the Lord Jesus potentially had siblings and more that the doctrine regarding the perpetual virginity of our blessed mother is false she says i have read 3 translations including Douay Reims, and they all use this word. So now I want to know, how does this read in the Aramaic and Greek? Thank you, Holly. Holly, it reads in the Aramaic and the Greek the same way it reads in the Douay Reims and in English. The word is until. It is the correct word. When we think of until today in our current usage, we often mean, therefore it happened after. But until doesn't it mean it happened after. It means up to that point. In the Old Testament, there's a story about one of David's wives, Michel, M-I-C-H-E-L, and she um, came against David and his joy in dancing before the tabernacle. And God punished Michel and said that she was childless until the day of her death. She was without child until the day of her death well obviously she didn't have children after her death it's just up to that point it's exactly the meaning of until in in uh, the gospel of matthew that he kept her uh, let me get the exact words here Um, he knew her not Joseph knew her not. I think it's a beautiful way of saying they didn't have intimate relations. I wish we'd use that language today. Joseph knew her not until she had born a son, but it does not mean that they had relations after Jesus was born. It means that he, they didn't have relations period. Um, and, uh, so number one, he wasn't the father of Jesus, uh, the natural father of Jesus. And yes, um, Uh, Mary remained a virgin after, uh, and her perpetual virginity is a dogma of the Church. Mary remained a virgin the rest of her life and had no more children. Jesus did not have more siblings. So um, you've got it right, Uh, Holly, following through the logic of it, but uh, the word until means until. We have a question from Maria. Mother, what is the name of the catechism you recommend? And you probably got that again, ready this morning, Maria. I mentioned it again. It's The Catechism Explained An Exhaustive Explanation of the Catholic Religion by Sparago Clark. Uh, and again, a practical manual for use of the preacher, the catechist, the teacher and the family it's published by tan by the way t-a-n and you'd be able to get a copy of it it's still published uh, hardcover and softcover we have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and said i discovered your show last week and cannot stop listening you're an amazing and wise woman god bless you oh what a beautiful uh, encouragement to hear dear one thank you um She or he, Anonymous, writes, I wanted to selfishly ask for your prayers. That's not selfish. That's wonderful. I'm going to Mass for the first time this Sunday, and I'm a bit scared. I'm a young woman who has been raised Protestant her whole life, and I have always felt a hole in my heart and a lack of knowledge about the Lord. This month, I have seen and felt God working in my life, and I'm eagerly looking for him. I don't know if I will find him in the Roman Catholic Church, but after listening to many testimonies from converts to the Catholic faith, I am curious, to say the least. It's truly wonderful. And I am um, I will pray for you, dear one. I will ask uh, our listeners to pray for you. And I'm going to pray, since you're going, t- oh, you know what? This Sunday would have been already passed, I'm sure. You probably wrote this a week or so ago. Um, I'd be interested to know how your experience was, if you could write in again or call in again, because there's you may have discovered so many different uh, churches, and there's two main forms of Mass right now, what's called the Novus Ordo, which is the new order of Mass that followed Vatican II, and the... Um, what is called the extraordinary, uh, extraordinary form, which is the Tridentine Mass uh, that followed uh, This is uh, that follows the Catechism we're using actually, um, and it is the Mass uh, up to Vatican II for the first fifteen hundred years or so of the Church. So. Um, you, uh, or more. So, uh, there's, there's, one is all, mostly in Latin, the other is not, um, you can, in the Novus Order, you're going to find Novus Order, Novus Ordo, the New Order, um, which is the majority of parishes today, um, some you will find quite reverent. some you will find, um. Uh, really awful I you know my brother was looking to the catholic church he went into the first mass he ever went to and it was a clown mass literally clowns uh the priest dressed as a clown so um I, i'm gonna pray that god leads you to to the mass he would have you uh discover the full truth and beauty of the mass Uh, So if you were pleased with what you saw and you want to go back, blessed be God's name. If you weren't, um, know that you can continue to visit different Catholic churches. And um, uh, also don't miss the Latin Mass, and he'll lead you further. God bless you, dear one. We have an email from Madeline. And let me also suggest... If you've listened to many converts, you might have read already many books, but I would suggest Home, Sweet Home by Scott Hahn, Scott and Kimberly Hahn, H-A-H-N. Home, Sweet Home, Presbyterian minister who became Catholic and his wife. Um, And another book called um, Surprised by Grace, no, Surprised by Joy, that's... uh, Oh, I'm forgetting now, isn't that? Um, Surprised by Truth, that's what it is. Patrick Madrid, Surprised by Truth. There's three or four of those volumes. The first volume is 11 Evangelical Ministers Who Became Catholic. That book really uh, had a good he- uh, assistance to my coming into the church. Answers many, many things. So, uh, many resources, dear one. We have an email from Madeline who writes, Dear Mother, Thank you so much for answering my email on your show. You advised me to read books by Alice von Hildebrand on modesty. Absolutely. I found and am reading her book called The Privilege of Being a Woman. That's excellent. The Privilege of Being a Woman. Are there other books by her that you would recommend in particular? Thank you and God bless you. You know what? I Yes, there's one that's called... um That she wrote to a new bride, and I I don't know if that's, it could be the title, uh, Letters to a New Bride, something like that. It's a beautiful book, Letters to a New Bride, all by Alice von Hildebrand, speaking to women who are engaged or who have just married to... um, what to expect for marriage, how to begin their marriage, how to prepare—all of that's wonderful. Um, outside of that, uh, Madeline, I would look up uh, books by type the last name in um, von Hildebrand because it may be a book by Alice and Dietrich, her husband von Hildebrand. She may have read. Um, Oh, very good. Someone, uh, our dear engineer, just gave me the title. Letters of that book. Letters to a Young Bride. God bless you, Elijah. Letters to a Young Bride is the title of that book. I have it. I've read it. I've given it to people. Um, But type in Alison Dietrich von Hildebrand because uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand is no longer alive, but is a saint. He's not sainted in the church, but he was a consultant to Pope Pius XII and a fantastic writer. And there are books on marriage, on on the whole pro-life matter, Uh, liturgy and personality is one book of Dietrich von Hildebrand that greatly helped me into the church anything that von hildebrands have written alice or dietrich is very worth reading okay we're going to go to cheryl in new york city um cheryl says dear sweet mother miriam how dear cheryl thank you i have recently come into the christian faith yay with the grace of the virgin mary welcome 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 isn't our mother wonderful Our Jewish mother, Mary, she says, I can hardly believe how grand her blessing has been. And every day is another opportunity to look forward to the unfolding of my relationship with her and Jesus Christ. Oh, how beautiful that is. How beautiful. She says, Mother, I must now go to confession. And I don't know where to begin. It has been a lifetime. Oh, since my last confession. Where do I begin, Mother? My heart is heavy. I must unburden to the priest, but how to proceed? I have seen my sins, and they are scary. I want so much to begin my life anew. Thank you, Mother. Oh, Cheryl, I'm, I'm so sorry if I'm a week or two late on this for you. But basically, just say it to the priest. Remember you're speaking to the high priest, Jesus, through that priest. And your confession and the response of the priest does not depend on the priest. It is Christ through that priest. It is his compassion. It is his love. Not to worry. Just go to the priest and say, it's been 100 years, whatever it is, since my last confession, Father, and I don't know where to begin. Just say that. I have nowhere to begin. Say what you've said here. I I seen my sins and they're scary. I'm sure there are many I don't even remember. I don't even know where to begin. And he'll help you. He'll say you'll know, he'll probably say, don't worry about anything, don't worry about remembering everything. just say what comes to mind, don't worry about it and the fact is you do that, and I want to convince you to assure you that there is nothing new under the sun. you will not be able to tell the priest something he hasn't heard. you will not, you will not my goodness, you will not trust me you'll say well this is this is quite." This one, I, I bet he hasn't heard. Well, I, I would, you might lose that bet. But even if he hasn't heard it, he'll hear it again. And the fact is that a priest can help us. Jesus knows it. God knows it. The human priest may not have heard it before, but God knows it. God knows it before we confess. The confession is to help free us. To, to help free us through our humility and confession, through our love, through our trust of God. It'll make us new. And then when he says, I absolve you and gives you whatever the penance is, the penance is from God through that priest. Don't worry about how much the priest has understood his maturity his compared. Don't worry about that. The, 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 uh, penance is, is from God, who loves you more than you can imagine. So I know it can be embarrassing. I understand that. Truly, I do. But just tell him, uh, if if you said to God, Lord, I did this and I did this, well, it, it may be terrible to think of that you did it, that you're saying it, but you're saying it to God, and he'd say, sweetheart, my daughter, my daughter, I know that. I just want you to know it, because I want you to be free, and I want to empower you to live a holy life. And that's what happens at the confessional. So just tell the priest, if you're struggling, and then what you don't remember, say to him, and I I don't remember, but it's years and years of sin. And I, I, I don't remember so many things I've done, but I'm sorry for them. And the priest will forgive you. God will forgive you through the priest. I absolve you for all your sins. The hundred you can't remember. You're forgiven. You're absolved. And the, the good thing is, if you remember them along the way, you leave the confessional and you say, oh, I didn't tell him about that. You're forgiven because you said you were forgiven. You were sorry for all the sins, including the ones you couldn't remember. You're already forgiven. But if it comes to you, it's a good thing for you to say it at your next confession. Say, you know, I I made a confession, but I forgot this one, even though I did say I'm sorry for all my other sins, but I forgot this one and I want to name it. It'll be a good thing because it'll free you even more to be able to name it. And you'll be forgiven again. You can't be forgiven again. You're already forgiven for it. Trust God's love and forgiveness. It's a wonderful thing, Cheryl. God bless you, dear one. And may he shower you with his graces more than you can even hold. God bless all of you. And we'll see you, well, we'll speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.